0: welcome to bible foundations it's our delight to have you with us again today as we continue our study of god's word in genesis chapter 11. just by way of brief review let's remind ourselves that god communicated with noah and his sons after they came out of the ark and he gave them instructions once again god delights in communicating with his people he never turns his back on us And Noah had come to him by faith, and now God gave Noah and his sons control over all the animals and the birds and the fish. And God had the right to do that because everything belongs to God. He gave it to Adam originally, but sin abounded, and now the descendants of Seth Adam's son who believed and passed down the word of God's judgment and of God's loving care of them, of God's promise of a deliverer. God had promised them the deliverer, and now here's the descendant who is known to us as Noah, as being the one through whom the deliverer would come. Time was moving on, you see, and hundreds of years had passed, but God was keeping his promise, even though many were fighting against him. God gave his rainbow of promise there in that cloud and he told him that he would never destroy the earth again. This was a sign to you and I. You see, how can we know that God is alive and well and he's truly existent? Because the record shows What he promised, and we can look in the sky and see it for ourselves. We can look out into the universe and see the stars and the moon at night and see the handiwork of God. My friend, it resembles even what you see under a microscope when you examine the prettiest of flowers. You see the resemblance of the universe. God is a God of order, and God knew how to do these things, and he knew how to communicate with us, and he communicates with us still today. The following generations from Noah and his family is recorded in Genesis chapter 10. The record of the ages, the record showing us the genealogy of people, showing us our lineage clear back to Adam through Noah and uh, our lineage from uh, from Noah clear up until the time of Christ. All of this is recorded and the generations are recorded as they are here in chapter 10. And uh, we can believe it because here's an accurate record. You see, God was there. He knew how to have it written down, how to inspire people to write down exactly what he wanted because these were people who believed him and they were open to his work in their lives to do what he was wanting them to accomplish. So the truth about God has been passed down from generation to one generation to another. His judgment was known and the evidence of his A desire for man to come to him was made known as well you see unfortunately the descendants of noah also did not all believe and trust god to send a deliverer to set them free from the power of satan and sin only a few believed and a few worshipped him and god blessed them for it those who refused to believe deliberately turned away from what they knew to be the truth and they followed the lies of satan They worshiped idols, made like people, made like themselves. I mentioned the last time we were together how I witnessed this happening out where I used to work as a missionary uh, among the Urundan people in Borneo in West Kalimantan of Indonesia. And we've seen people in other cultures worship birds and animals and reptiles. And we've seen people in the southern part of our great continent worship the sun and the moon and the stars. You see, this is what they were doing then. And these who refused to believe God were given over to that type of thinking when they refused to acknowledge and accept the truth that God had passed down about himself. Now we see that the sons of Shem, Ham, and Japheth had multiplied greatly and many years had passed again. And now there's a great gathering of people in the area called Babel. And there's a tower that they're about to build. These are people who are deliberately ignoring God. They were refusing to consider God's will for their lives and his desire that they worship him. These people were bent on building for themselves a great tower that all men would recognize everywhere and and give uh, acknowledgement to them. They were not interested in drawing attention and glory to God. They were only interested in drawing attention and glory to themselves. Does that remind you of anything? You see the reflection of Satan's control here, that these people are the children of Satan, not the children of God, as we'd like to believe everybody is the, are, are all men are the children of God. Let me tell you, when that sin came into the Garden of Eden, men were put outside of the Garden and all of us are born in slavery to sin and to slavery to Satan himself. He's the one who has deceived us, and he's the one who's captured our thoughts and puts in our mind to believe anything except to believe in God. Satan wants people to worship false gods. He wants them to uh, follow false ways and build idols and worship the sun and the moon and the birds and so on. But here in the record given in Genesis chapter 11, we read verses 1 to 4. Follow with me if you will, please the whole earth was of one language and of one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of shinar and they dwelt there and they said one to another go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar and they said Go to, let us build a tower, build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach heaven, and let us make a name, make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. Now, my friend, God is sovereign, and He alone is God, and He would desire that we would worship Him. Satan's desire is to divert attention from Him, so that He draws a, our attention away from God any way He can, and uh, we see that now. In our society, we wouldn't think of worshiping a wooden idol out here in one of our streets or on a street corner, but we secretly read the horoscopes every day. We secretly look for other things that will draw our attention to self-centeredness and uh, make us feel good about ourselves and give us self-gratification. And most often, we're only interested in that which will build up ourselves, exalt ourselves, just like the people there at Babel. But you see, the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. You see, the builders of Babel, which is also called Babylon, by the way, were not thinking about God. Now, many critics of the Bible today are not thinking about God either. They just want to discredit what has been written. But listen to this from the Bible Knowledge Commentary concerning the factual uh, perspective of the existence of the Tower of Babel. This particular quote gives us insights into the idolatrous and prideful thinking of the builders of the cities of that day. Here's what we read in the Bible Knowledge Commentary written babylonian accounts of the building of the city of babylon refer to its construction in heaven by the gods as a celestial city as an expression of pride these accounts say it was made by the same process of brick making described in genesis chapter 11 verse 3 with of every brick inscribed with the name of a babylonian god whose name was marduk also the ziggurat the step-like tower, believed to have been first erected in Babylon, is said to have its top in the heaven. This artificial mountain became the centre of worship in the city. a miniature temple being at the top of the tower. Babylonians took great pride in their building and they boasted that their city was not was impregnable, but also that it was a heavenly city called Babili Babil, or which means the gate of God. By the way, the name Marduk that was inscribed on those bricks is another name for the, for the god Baal, one of the false gods the people set up to worship instead of the one true God. The practices associated with Baal worship were evil, and they were sensual, and they were cruel. Now, Babel was situated on the Tigris-Euphrates plain. That's the area that we call Iraq today. And there are many visible remnants of uh, later civilizations which still bear towers or ziggurats, calling to mind the Tower of Babel. Construction of these structures also reveals the burnt clay and bitumen that's mentioned in the Bible. And let's return to Genesis 11, verse 4. The people were gathered together to build the tower because they did not want to be scattered over the earth. And we read again, and they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach the heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. Who were these people thinking about? Only themselves, you see. These men were full of pride. They should have been interested in exalting God's name, not their own. But look again at the last part of this verse. What else was wrong? Do you remember what command God gave to Adam and repeated to Noah and his descendants? Well, let's just look at Genesis 1.28 for a moment and see what it says. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now let's look at God's promise again to Noah as we read in chapter nine verses one and two and god blessed noah and his sons and said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea into your hand are they delivered god had told adam and noah that they were to multiply and to take control of all the animals birds, fish, in all parts of the world. Did you catch that? In all parts of the world. God didn't want the people to live together only in one place, just doing what they pleased. He had work for them to do. And God knew that if they all stayed together, they would quickly forget about him, about God and his will. You see, man was created by God to do God's will in the earth. God is the creator and the owner of us all no matter where we live, or what color we are, or what language we speak. You see, these people deliberately disobeyed the command given to Noah and Adam by God, their creator. They didn't want to be scattered into different parts of the world as God commanded. They congregated in one place, and they built a city and began to erect a great tall tower. Was God interested in these rebellious people? Oh yes, once again, my friend, God did not turn His back on these people, even though He knew their hearts and He knew what they were planning. He did see their thoughts. He did know what they were planning, and He did care. He did not turn His back on them, but He rather loved them enough to give them the correction that they needed to accomplish His will and purpose. Chapter 11, verse 5 tells us, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Yes, you see, the Lord was interested in these people at Babylon, even though they had forgotten him. God sees people everywhere. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You see, God is interested in every person. He knows all about you and I, too. Neither you or I can keep a secret from him From him, either, you see. He knows everything we've ever thought, everything that we've ever said, and everything that we've ever done. He is our creator. He owns every person. He owns you, and he owns me. He even owns those who are separated from him because of their sin. Well, can anybody fight against God and win? When Satan was in heaven, he tried to fight against God, but he lost. The other angels who followed Satan also lost in their fight against God. Adam and Eve, Cain, and the people at the time when Noah lived lost in their fight against God. Now, what do you think's going to happen this time? Would Satan and his people win? No, no one can fight against God and be a winner. You see, God is greater than all now let's continue reading in Genesis chapter 11 verses 6 to 9 and the Lord said behold the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do now and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do go to let us go down and there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon all the face of all the earth. Now do you remember that God said in the beginning, Let us make man in our image, Genesis 1.26? Now again we see the Lord, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, discussing what he's about to do. The plurality referred to as Elohim by his descriptive name in Genesis chapter 1 is repeated here again, showing us the Trinity, showing us that he's one God, and yet he demonstrates himself to us in three persons. Now the Lord causes the people to speak different languages, because men could no longer understand each other they separated into various families and moved away to different parts of the country the following years brought them to move to other parts of the world sometimes on foot or perhaps even by boats often we hear explanations of history and development of nations and languages as told only from the standpoint of man's limited understanding if we really want to know the true origin and history of man we need to look closely at the bible we need to realize that God alone can give us many of the details of the past. When we believe his word, we have a framework on which to place archaeological discoveries and other historical references, you see, and evidences. Apart from the Bible, we cannot possibly construct an accurate history. God created everything and has recorded accurately for us those foundations that man needs to know this passage in genesis tells us how different nations and races began including each part each of our particular ancestors our ancestors were at the tower of babel you see this is the beginning of history of your family as a part of a distinct nationality or language group you see it was our ancestors who at that point continued to turn away from the truth of god which they had known and they followed the ideas of Satan and his spirits, which these spirits gave to him. If you've studied ancient cultures, you know the prevalence of idol worship and of false gods. Both sophisticated and unsophisticated societies have turned away from the true and living God to follow after human leaders and sinful desires, false gods, and idols. But my friend, there were a few who continued to worship the true and living God, but the majority turned away from God. From this account, we can see that the Bible gives us insight into history. It records history accurately and gives confirmation to what actually took place all throughout man's history, you see. But more than that, it shows us what God is like and how he deals with man. You may already be noticing some of the patterns that we've seen in the ancient stories that sound a lot like patterns of life today. Men and women are still rebelling against God, you see, but God hasn't changed yet either. He cares about every individual. He knows exactly what's happening in each life, and he still judges sin, and he's still calling people to believe in him today. Now, as we continue on in Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 26, we see an additional recording of those who actually lived from the time of Babel. We see the name, the days of Peleg being referred to, Peleg being one of the sons of Shem. Why were the sons of Shem recorded here? Well, for the same reason that the sons of Seth were recorded, clear down to the time of Noah. Now Noah's son Shem is the one through whom the promised Deliverer would come. And so the descendants, the genealogies of the sons uh, who were to be the ancestors of the Deliverer are accurately recorded right here in Genesis chapter 11. Once again, the only actual proven record of God's Uh, account of mankind, because, you see, through this lineage was the promise of the Deliverer. Most commonly, unless we've done a genealogical study, you see, we don't even know the name of our great-great-grandfather. Not many of us know the names of our ancestors at all today, but we're going to talk about this, a man coming now that lived about 4,000 years ago and is still remembered by his descendants. Why is he remembered? He's remembered because of God's promises to him that would affect them. In fact, that would infect, affect you and I today. He's remembered because he believed God and he was a descendant of Shem. This descendant of Shem was first known on the earth as Abram, the son of Terah, who lived close by to where people had begun to build the great tower of Babel. Now let's begin to follow this important life together, the one through whom the deliverer would be promised in Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. The name Lot will come up again many times here in our study together, but just for now we'll recognize that Lot is Abram's nephew. Verse 28, And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now a little bit later we'll see that Abram and Sarai's names change. But Abram and married Sarai, but Abram and Sarai didn't have any children. In those days, this was a great problem. It was a great cultural problem to not have children. In fact, in those days, the inability to have children was considered to be a disgrace. Couples who had no children were looked down on by society. Male children were most desirable so that a man might have heirs to carry on his family name. Now let's read on in Genesis chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, and his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go up into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. This passage of scripture tells us that Abram, Terah, Abram's father, moved from Ur and traveled up to Haran. Terah took Abram and Sarai with him. He also took his grandson Lot, because Lot's father had died in Ur. Terah planned to go to Canaan, but they only got as far as Haran, where Terah died. Now as we move on into Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, we realize that God is continuing to communicate with man. He loves man. He's never turned his back on man. And now he's communicating with Abram, you see, he's calling Abram for a special task, and he gives him special instructions. He shows him that he wants to communicate with him, and God is faithful. He shows his faithfulness as he begins to communicate, because, you see, God never changes. Now let's read verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. You see, it was God calling to Abraham, God calling, just as though you might have a telephone. It was God calling directly to Abraham without a telephone, you see. God called Abraham and he gave him special instructions to leave his own country and go to the land of Canaan. God spoke directly to Abraham and told him what he was to do. Now, the Bible was not written in Abraham's day, and God does not now speak to us through a voice as he did to Abraham. He but speaks to you and i through his written word the the bible you see the only way we can know about god and his message is for us to look into the words of his book the bible now you see where abram lived in mesopotamia the people worshiped idols they did not trust god they didn't know god they didn't love god nor did they obey him as their creator Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, tells us that Abraham's father, Terah, was an idolater. You see, Abraham was also a sinner. He, too, was a descendant of Adam, you see. But the difference, once again, was that Abraham believed God. He came to God in God's revealed way. Abraham trusted God and believed his promises. You see, he believed that God was supreme and sovereign and he had that fellowship with god in which god would trust to him to uh to uh understand his communication and to carry out what he asked him to do now god's plan for abram could not be achieved while abram was living among his idolatrous countrymen he must leave his homeland is what god told him to do he must go to a country to which god promised that he would guide him now god had the right to tell Abram what to do? You see, God was his owner and he's supreme and he's greater than all. But God shows his loving, merciful kindness and his graciousness to Abram as we see the story developing here, because God is faithful and he never changes. Now the Bible tells us that our ancestors are the descendants of Noah, and these are they who deliberately turned away from God and the truth. They worshiped the things which God created instead of God, their creator. They rebelled against him and by beginning to build the tower of Babel. And in spite of all their sinfulness, however, God did not abandon them or turn his back on them. He didn't turn his back on his plan to rescue mankind from Satan's power and everlasting punishment you see nothing can stop god from what he wants to do And when he wants to carry out his plan he'll do it and he'll do it just the way he desires and that's what he did many years later god would speak through his prophet isaiah to the people who were still worshiping babylon's false god marduk or baal if you might remember his name he said remember this and show yourselves men Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. I will do all my pleasure. That's found in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 10. You see, what God promises to do, he does. Whatever God begins, he brings to a conclusion. Nothing can keep God from carrying out his plans and accomplishing his purposes. You see, calling Abram was God's next step in his plan to deliver men from their bondage to sin god is still the same today as he was in the days of abram he's still loving and merciful and gracious and he has not forgotten his plan to save people from everlasting punishment he wants everyone to be saved from satan's power and from sin God wants you and I, my friend, as he wanted people then to be saved from the everlasting punishment of the lake of fire, which is due to those who refuse to believe God and follow Satan, their father. Now let's begin to see how God develops the plan for his deliverer to come to rescue us from the power of sin. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 reads as follows. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." Now here's God promising Abram and Sarai uh, to, that they would be a great nation when they had no children. Sarah was barren, unable to have children, and God promised them in that condition that Abram would be the father of a great nation. God also promised that he would protect and prosper Abram so that he could be an important man. and th- Through him, others would also receive great benefit and help. Now let's read on in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And he says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now in this verse, God also promised that he would prosper those who helped Abram Abraham, and he would bring evil upon anyone who treated Abram wrongly. But let's take a closer look at the end of that verse. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This, my friend, is the greatest of all promises given to Abram because it's about the deliverer. Do you remember in our studying in the Garden of Eden that God promised he would send a deliverer to crush the power of Satan? Now God promised that one of Abram's descendants would be that deliverer. All the families of the earth would be blessed through Abram's descendant. You see, that promise includes you and your family as well as me and my family and all the families and all the people of the earth. The Deliverer would come, whom God had promised to send, and it was for all people in every part of the world. Thank you for joining me again today on Bible Foundations, and until next time, this is Jerry Smythe, your host, looking forward to the promise of God completed in your life and mine.